0: is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the, of the sky. This. this is Seattle Overload. Overload.
1: Seattle Overload.
0: With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty
1: Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where the Seahawks have made a slightly puzzling decision at this point in the free agency process. And so it's time for Griffin and I to kind of dive into why the Seahawks cut defensive tackle outwards and what the Seahawks are actually doing with their defensive front seven and their defensive line and whether the Seahawks are doomed for 2023 and beyond on defense. So, Griff, what's going on?
0: Um like the 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 wood the woods move i think caught most people off guard because he was the one player that everyone there was consensus on like there's there's very little consensus about all these players he was the one guy that everyone agreed was like okay he was good this past year now so so cutting him especially this late in the this late in the like process is odd right and and like you're not saving that much now you know, superficially or not even superficially, but if you try to create a rationale for it, like, yeah, he's 36 or going to be 36. He played less less snaps this past year than he did the previous year. Um and he does free up, I guess, three and a half million dollars, but three
1: point six seven.
0: Three point six seven million dollars. So like if you're if you have to pinch pennies with the cap because maybe you had another move lined up. John Schneider has said they are still talking to people. Bob Condota reported, I think as well as other people that they would still like to bring Shelby back. So um, like you you can see like, okay, maybe that makes sense. But on a line that is desperate for players that can do something, he was definitely one of those guys that we can all agree. So moving on for him is a little brash, especially when you consider that their other nose tackle, Brian Monet is not going to be able to play next year. So, like if if they and also in free agency there are very few nose pure nose tackles left they just there aren't any almost all of them are gone so it's not like they can make their kind of signature you know vet men vet mend deal for a guy that is a solid player like al woods was originally right when they brought him in i think in was it 2019 or 2020 whatever that year that 19. was originally so it, it's just it's it's odd and And you can't go into the draft needing to draft two nose tackles because they already needed to draft one. What they needed to replace, basically, they needed to replace Monet with Al Woods and then replace Al Woods with the draft pick. And now they need to draft two guys to replace both of them. And rookie nose tackles, first of all, they're rare to begin with. But their track record, among other defensive tackle types, as a rookie is usually pretty bad like jordan davis is one of the best nose tackle prospects ever and he was just average last year and he was a top 15 pick or whatever he was so like brian monet played really good ball his second and third year but he was bad his first year he was a and granted he was an undrafted free agent but he was bad and the, it's like the, those body awful. types it's difficult for them yeah it's difficult for them to adapt to the nfl so I really hope they can find a guy that even if they don't view as like a huge, you know, Al Woods, like zero technique, maybe a guy that they think of that would fit the mold as a good rotational, like one technique that they play at zero and just don't have them like true two gap kind of play like the BS lag technique um, and, and just make it work. Cause they need someone to eat up snaps in addition to whoever they draft. I can't see them drafting two guys. It's just it's too much and then so then the other thing that is weird about this move is yeah every year there's turnover you have to live with it but they have six guys have left that's that it's it's so hard to replace six rotational players now obviously two of them three of them aren't going to play that many snaps right but your frontline guys need to be able to need to be able to uh make a difference and it's like well they could just find guys that are are as good well so far obviously they brought in Jeremy jones huge move we've talked about him good move but then the other guy that they brought in jaron reed he's he's worse than the guys he's replacing so the first move they've made of the guys that aren't meant to be stars they're just meant to be solid rotational guys the first move they've made is already a downgrade again there's cap considerations puna ford's probably looking at closer to 10 million then he is 5 million so i understand that you probably couldn't pay that you weren't going to pay shelby harris's cap hit but and, and again they can still bring him back but like straight up like well, they can just replace him. yeah but one of the replacements so far is already a downgrade no matter what what they do schematically so i don't know it's very puzzling i'm sure they've got moves lined up still you know it's not over yet and the draft was always going to be the main course here but i just don't like where they are at and, at this moment at this part of the process so
1: yeah, a lot to unpack there, but I think they're all sort of valid reasons, valid concerns. For you know, really... let's not panic because this stage in the process, you're right in that the the defensive tackle, nose tackle options are drying up in free agency. It's interesting that Bob Condota of the Seattle Times reported that he he hasn't heard that the Seahawks would have Al back now. Now maybe they would just for the right price, like three point six seven million dollars in cap space isn't to be sniffed at he was on a two-year nine million dollar deal wasn't he after his impressive work and if you remember last year he only started 14 games and missed some time with a sore achilles so maybe it is just that they're worried that the body's starting to break down and that he is 36 years old but like if you look at the other options in, instead of woods Ashon Robinson's like the only guy right and
0: and well he's not even a nose like it would be and he's him.
1: not he's not a pure nose yeah he's he's like more of a big four he's a three eye, tech. right he's a three yeah, tech three. he's a four
0: eye. he's a yeah. power stepping three tech and a mere stepping four eye. and he's good at it but I just don't think like he's not to me he's no different than Ford or Shelby as a run defender and like he probably could play nose like it's not like you know totally foreign it's just not the ideal player but like the only other guy that is a more head up over the head up over the center, and even this guy isn't that like great at taking on doubles, is uh, DeAndre Sanat for the uh, the Bucks. He he was Vita Vea's backup, and he's a solid player. You know, if if you sign, bring him in, and um, and draft a guy that you like at nose tackle, like Keanu Benton, for example, in the second round, then you're then you're just fine. You know, like, and I'm not fretting. It's just Al Woods was the one assurance you had, like the one anchor that you can roster around. And it it just makes it puzzling. Um, Clearly they have confidence that they're going to.
1: So maybe there's a release which will happen. There'll be a cap casualty. But again, those tackles aren't really the types to be cap casualties. Like there isn't the kind of money to to justify that happening at that point in the season, in the offseason. So it's strange in that sense too. And then you do wonder, like, with what you've said, like being correct about it taking a while for these guys to acclimatize from college to the NFL, I wonder, like, one, are the Seahawks sort of overly inspired by the success they had with playing two rookie tackles, uh, offensive tackles in abraham lucas and charles cross so they just like well damn we'll just get really young and we'll just let it fly and see what happens i would hope not given this a slightly different scenario because schematically it's it's a lot harder to compensate and help out a rookie defensive tackle than it is a rookie offensive tackle yeah but two if you look at the way college football is going well college football has gone Finding guys who play in that kind of three four bare front system and are asked to play head up, nose tackle, and and mirror step, or even play in the four eye and and mirror step, that is easy. And that, like, so much of college football is that, like, more than the NFL. And that I think the trickle up effect is that you're getting more and more of these kind of tweener types who have played in the kind of you know, three-four ends uh, in terms of like basic roster terms, the three-four mm-hmm. end kind of role, and you do get these big kind of nose tackles. But you also, more than size, you get kind of quickness there, and and guys who are lagging, which is knocking back the 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 center and then and then falling back into the backside a gap, depending on the, the blocking scheme. So maybe they feel bold about how college football is developing and also the fact that there are some intriguing nose tackle options in this class. Uh, uh, Salaki Ica, that's his name, right? From from yeah. Baylor, another name. He didn't test very well, but then he has nose tackle. So, there is that to unpack, but just like the, the sheer amount of snaps that they've lost from their interior of the defensive line, it it does raise a worry. Staggering. Uh, Oh, oh, um, oh, another guy we didn't mention and maybe he could return just before we get to the snap count is Puna Ford. So, Puna Ford is a really interesting case of, it kind of hints at the next subject we'll get to, but also it's a really interesting case of a guy who in the review after watching him play three technique and Two eye predominantly in fronts where he was asked to play heavy on a guard and one and a half gap mirror step and struggled massively in those two two four five looks. Really struggled with what he's been asked to do. Just wasn't his game. It robbed him of all of his strengths, which are you know his quickness, low uh, ability to be get lower than the pad level of his opponent and shoot into the backfield, penetrate. Uh, It just it just completely destroyed his game. After all of watching that and us thinking, well, that was a bit weird. He he's best where he's playing five tech and 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 nose tackle. And indeed, during the season, his best stuff came in the brief flashes where they played under and he'd play as a one tech or, or as a shade over the centre, and he'd just be quicker and, and and he'd look really spicy doing that. And it's like, well, maybe we should do this a bit more often. But anyway, after all of that, then you hear. Uh, Pete Carroll say in his radio show at some point during the end of the season stuff, oh, yeah, uh, we, we like him more over the nose. And then John Schneider at the Combine says he's more of a nose. So it's like, what on earth was happening? Well, maybe he lands back in Seattle because he could play his best football in Seattle came in 2020, I'd say, and 2021 maybe where he played head up on the center, but because it was a bare front, he was still one-on-one with that center, and he was able to almost, uh, because they're, they're technically not two-gapping that that guy, they're, they're bashing up the center and then uh, lagging into the backside A-gap. He actually had some really impressive reps where he'd run through into that backside A-gap, into the backfield, and make tackles for loss, hunt down plays, sideline to sideline, kind of clean stuff up for Seattle, especially on the mm-hmm. backside of wide zone runs. And so maybe he's he's the guy who they're thinking about. Like it seemed like in 2022, along with his weird usage, I think maybe he slimmed up slightly to be rushed a pass to try and earn a bigger payday, which hasn't transpired as of yet. And 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 add some pressure. But yeah, I I, I don't know. So. Moving to the point about the snaps, if Puna Ford doesn't return, and obviously they've lost Shelby Harris for now, maybe he, he, he seems the likeliest to return based on reports, and then our Woods is gone, Griff, they've lost what? What is it, like 900 snaps, more?
0: A lot more than that. A lot yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and the, I the way the it adds it, uh, of, all, of, all, of all the losses added up, it's like, it's like 2,000. Oh, great. Um, Brilliant. I mean, if you include Collier, which, you know, you replace him with... Oh, yeah. So the that's the news the
1: as well. Uh, LJ Collier, I don't think Seattle had much interest in re-signing uh, Collier, but he he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. And hilariously, his agent cited the Cardinals scheme as a reason for signing there. And bearing in mind as well that Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals coach, when he was with the Eagles, is he was running whatever you want to call it, but a fangio tree just like Seattle. But what did the Eagles do? They ran a lot of bare fronts and 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 power stepping uh fronts. And by the way, Cody struggled two, four, in those five. two. But but um not as much two four five from the Eagles. It was more like a passing down situation deal for them. Mm. Uh, but uh yeah he said and and when they did it as well there was actually some more movements uh from the two four five it wasn't as static
0: the results in it were horrible though too which is an important lesson to take from that
1: yeah uh and
0: consider uh, all that talent it's hard to defend the run in that front
1: yeah and, um, and, and and collier's agent said that basically they play up field and look at what they did last year in philadelphia
0: which for, is- for collier's sake though i think he needs to be an edge just a big edge like, yeah like tech, the whole thing yeah. He needs to be a five tech that can rush outside, and because he likes to use space to set up. If he if he ever had a chance in the NFL, really, he never should have been tried to have been used as an in and out guy. He yeah, was never going to gonna be Michael Bennett.
1: Like even his impressive college three tech reps were very wide three tech, where he could then build up from that wide angle on the guard. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so they've they've lost over two thousand snaps, and. That's weird because it's it's saying that the front office, their lesson is, okay, we had some real difficulties defending the run last year. We were serious about getting it right up front. We want to, you know, Pete Carroll spoke about needing to change the mode, be more dynamic up front. John Schneider kind of agreed with that at the combine. But it says the front office's lesson is just get rid of everyone, which on the interior of the defensive line, it's all well and good saying that, but it seems very heavy-handed given we, what we think is most of the re- reasons that they struggled were these were guys who were being put in a defense which is very difficult and it's not just Seattle's coaching staff who struggled to coach it. The league worked out how to run on the 2-4-5. Like,
0: or in f- or four two five, which is effectively the same thing.
1: Yeah, or, or, or at least though, in alignment,
0: the the body yeah. types might be different,
1: and it does matter that the two four five is basically wide nine every time.
0: Right. And so just to put it in perspective, four teams in the NFL, only four teams in the NFL held opposing offenses below four yards per carry in this front on early downs. Now, EPA is a better measure, but it's just yards per carry is an easier, you know, it's easier to conceptualize. Only four teams. So, just to like put in perspective how inherently difficult it is, there are so many things working against you in it, especially on first and 10 against under center, even if it's 11 personnel. So, it is not easy. The, 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 when you talk about scheme fits, the players that, the players that you need to make that front work the way they used it. As much as they used it, hardly exist. And if you want to go get them, you have to overinvest in run defense. Then you've already lost. If you have to overinvest just to make your run defense not even good, but average, and something like that, you 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 fall ass backwards into personnel that can do that. You don't go hunt for them. Right. If you have it, great. But you don't go. It's just not what you do.
1: And so, are they bar- you know, are they buying into the fact that it wasn't scheme? Like, is the front office sort of overlooking that to the point that it's it's damaging? Because these players who have been released now, okay, Woods was getting older, but say a Shelby Harris, or a Puna Ford is the best example of this. They looked very good when Seattle was running bare fronts. They were good griff you can speak to this but they were good this year when seattle did it but in 2021 for instance that's when Puna ford as you said his best football came and, and he,
0: too. Well, i mean and, and puna was playing three four end in 2021 and their numbers were and i still prefer him at nose in the yep. bear but like it's just like in the five-man front really puna can play anywhere in a, on the interior on a five-man front whether it's under over bear just because there are more one on ones, and he can play over the tackle, over the guard, over the center. He, he again, he is perhaps most exciting over the center because if you can single him up, is he's just too quick. Um, and he's too quick for a guards to reach too if he's padding back right, playing the lag technique. That's what made him so particularly special. But um, yeah, I mean, just when people when 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 the conversation is, well, they didn't fit their their new three four for. I mean, three four isn't new they did less 3-4 this year than they did last year and just isolating their performance in the 3-4 and this nickel complement the 3-3-5 their numbers are identical as they were to 2021 by yards per carry rank and EPA rank and success rate they're top 10 in all three so it's like that's crazy 3 years in a row so it's just the the conversation really comes down to over usage of their nickel even front and then performance there, and sure would that front be better with two l woods absolutely but then also you're starting to undo the whole point of it which is try to have a four man rush l woods isn't going to get you two l woods aren't going to get you pressure in the in the over g front or the you know the the two i front it's just not going to happen they might allow your edges say your if your edges are awesome to get up field more because they can handle more in the run but then Al Woods types can only play so many snaps. Then you need three of them. So then you're getting into the whole arena of having to overinvest to make it work. So the way they use the front, it's just not tenable. And, and like the other thing is, well, if, if the idea is, you know, this, the scheme wasn't the problem, the players are the problem. To so get rid of the players. Okay. We're going to insert in Draymond Jones. If Draymond Jones is playing three technique. It's going to be just as bad in that if they keep the scheme identical, he's 285, he can't hold on double teams on a too high shell, in a static look pre to post snap with a four-man front so it's just he can't it's not his fault yeah. it's watching
1: like... the watching the denver film was, was just crazy to me because it was very similar to what happened with seattle the same it, kind it, of problems
0: it was worse than i thought it was going in i mean because evero still had ideas yeah at he... least
1: Evero tried to uh he like blitzed into a bear look from the 245 uh to try and help out against Gap stuff whereas Seattle had less than that for Gap like Gap answers but
0: and you have the occasional like interior twist like a Tom stunner right which is what, like...
1: which is kind of a similar idea to sorry I, I cut you off when you're saying again no. what it was against but sim- similar to how the 49ers in their 45 they 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 kind of mix up exit stunts between the for the run from the right. from the tackle and the end for like a similar reason for what run were you saying it was against Griff.
0: I was just saying like zone even. Right. But just to to, to mess with like their reach rules and Blocking everything. Teams, yep. Yeah, and it's and and all those DCs, they have throw so much action on it because they know they don't have the personnel to just stand up to five, six blockers in the line of scrimmage with four guys on the line, of, even if you're gapped out and you roll the safety down. It's it's really it's really hard. Um so it's 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 just it's just not players. Um it's so what but, have we
1: said there though, just to recap, what we've said is not only have they lost over two thousand snaps, but they've lost over two thousand snaps of players who when they were in the right positions and not put in a bind, were pretty good. Performed like, well. We they were we've seen it like this is why it's particularly wild. We've seen them play well. Now, this may look really rash. Again, there's the caveat that there's a long off season. There's news that DeForest Buckner wants to play for a contender and could be traded, per NFL rumors. But I don't know about that account. But I choose great, to believe it. Great account, yeah. But um, yeah, I choose to believe it when it the rumor is exciting enough. Exactly. So you know, maybe Seattle makes another massive move like that. But right now it's 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 kind of puzzling and then you add in what they've replaced these guys with, which we don't want to make this the bash Jaron Reed podcast, but they signed Jaron Reed in free agency and we we talked about that briefly, but we've both had a chance to watch more of him, and also the contract figures have come out. So it's a fairly cheap contract it's not like what it was first reported as as is often the case he earns a five point uh basically well five million hundred fifty thousand dollar contract uh but he only has 1.2 million dollars guaranteed uh this season and, and next year he has no guaranteed salary so it's basically a one year um, it's a one year deal yeah one year three million dollar deal uh with 1.2 million dollars guaranteed so fine but john reed like culturally very important as we spoke about clearly like a big locker room presence someone who's a, an established veteran in the league he's 31 years old now it's his it'll be his eighth season i believe he obviously started in Seattle, so he kind of gets what's going on there. He's a, uh, t- typically a kind of a selfless player, good at setting up pass rush stuff. He always used to play the run with hard effort, but now he cannot play the run. Like he's his his run defense uh, technique uh, is collapsed. And we were talking in the DMs. I I sort of it was a light bulb moment for me with how you're phrasing it because every snap I've seen of him against the run in Green Bay he looks like he's late off the football. Like he, he just looks s- much, much slower than the guy in front of him who he's trying to knock back. And it's like, why does this keep happening? Like, is he king the wrong thing? Is he just tired today? And Griff, you think maybe he's lost his first step quickness, which I think that that probably is the explanation. Like he can't get that the right foot in the ground. And then if you think at how all the power is delivered as you it come out, your stance, you, Put that foot in the ground and your hips are coming through and your hands are shooting out to knock back the guy
0: yeah i mean i i, I think it it starts there like a, a lot of guys as they get older they everyone loses their their first step quickness but some of them depending on their style have the mass to overcome it or the just the pure strength to overcome it and reed is not the biggest guy ever for a guy that is historically viewed as mostly a run defender right And, um, you know, I think the play strength is at his best was maybe, you know, mildly above average. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he just has enough to overcome it, but like, yeah, he can't, he can't get into blocks. Like you can't put any, no force is going to come out of your hands when you engage a block, if your feet aren't in the ground. And so essentially centers are just getting, getting leverage on him and uprooting him. Um, so I, I also on top of that though, this is kind of the silver lining, on top of that, a lot of his technique, like the stuff that he can control is just really lousy. And I think, you know, the the whole the pitch is the Seahawks think, well, one, he's playing way too many snaps, so we'll cut his snaps by literally 50%. He'll be a 300 to 400 snap player, not a 700, 800 snap player. And then it's, you know, he was trying to get upfield a lot to be a pass rusher, you know, maybe not keying the run as disciplined as he should be so we can fix that and then and then clint hurt thinks i can hone his technique back in i can motivate him we know each other yeah Hurt
1: Hurt used to use reed's technique as like a coaching tape like he was very much a fan of that and i know he was kind of hot and cold in green bay and uh, schneider mentioned on one of his recent radio shows the reed was speaking bad about green bay and and schneider sort of jokingly had to be like hey green is not too bad obviously with so so maybe
0: Reeb was just checked out over there right right you know, like and and hopefully like that's but it's just the information that is available to us superficially just what's on on the screen watching him, it's not pretty um you know you can't even say inconsistent it's just bad um
1: yeah, and like, really, was it done more for the fact that he had some pass rush production last year? Like, what was it, thirty-three pressures per PFF last year?
0: And, uh, ESPN uh, thought he had an incredibly high pass rush ruin rate. Um, yeah, I don't right, know, and- but there's something there. But he's not making a difference in Seattle in that department, I don't think.
1: And then you, you. But I wonder if that's what the team looks at because then you see that today, Mario Edwards Jr., who's a guy we, we like every off season we'd speak about as oh, Seattle could look at Mario Edwards Jr. because he always does well in the pressure numbers from mm-hmm. that kind of three, four end spot with Seattle running these bare looks from 2020 onwards as their base. Until twenty twenty two, and so now is Mario Edwards Jr. a three four end who's now uh, twenty nine years old. Is that the an, an, another pickup? He he just visited the team.
0: But- it's I I mean, I mean so like Draymond Jones is essentially he and Quentin Jefferson are the same body type, so he's replacing that kind of body type. Edwards would feature more, but he'd be replacing Collier's body type. So with those two body types, theoretically on the roster, even though Edwards hasn't been signed, say he is, that would imply that they need Reed to be beef. They need him to be your early down run defender grunt, because if he isn't, if they're also thinking of him as like, Hey, this guy might actually be one of our interior pass rushers that we rotate in and out. Then who are they going to have on early downs to defend the run? (laughs) You need somebody in there. Um, So i feel like the the theory behind him with with just the report of edwards coming in now edwards can play the run don't get me wrong but you know in a perfect world you don't want both your three four ends being 280 something you want one of them being 280 something and the other guy being bigger um so but but like the, the whole idea behind this is yeah get younger absolutely but you can get younger and not gut everybody like it's like those don't have to be in conflict with one another. You can have Al Woods on the team and still get way younger and set yourself up for the future. Um, and like on a case-by-case basis, Ford not being brought back, at least to this point, makes sense. You can fashion an argument for it. Shelby Harris being cut makes sense. He had a $12 million cap hit. You're not going to pay that. As, as solid as I think he is, you're not going to pay that. Al Woods, you know, age, injury, etc. okay make i there's an argument i guess um you know you obviously let lj collier walk out the door unfortunately for him well he got his deal so good for him um you quentin jefferson i guess me i mean he kind of lived up to he, he got generated a lot of pressure but you maybe he's a guy where i think you can say you want more run defense out of that type of player because then that kind of renders their pass rush moot because they're just getting gashed when he is on the on the field but again, like in the three in Bear, he was fine. He wasn't good, but he was fine. Probably better than Jaron Reed was last year in Bear, for example. But I understand wanting to move Oops, I understand. Pardon me. Uh I understand moving on from him, especially when Draymond Jones is effectively the de facto Quentin Jefferson replacement and upgrade. Um but like it's just it's 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 not any one of the moves. It's all of them together at the same time. is is just a tremendous amount of a tremendous amount of turnover because you know every offseason they go and find you know Alan Branch, Tony McDaniel, Ataba Rubin, Tom Johnson who worked for a few weeks but they they cut him for cap reasons. Um, Al Woods, they go find Al Woods, right? But they find those guys when they only needed to replace 500 snaps or so. And then they draft another 500 snaps in the draft, right? This is a tremendous amount of turnover. Again, they can bring they can bring a guy in. Hopefully, they bring Shelby back. I don't like the cupboards being completely bare at nose tackle. Hopefully, they can manipulate the cap where Puna Ford can be your nose tackle. And then you go draft another one. And then you're set. It's just uh, every, everything's up in the air right now. Um, I would feel a lot better about the Al Woods cut if they had already made the other moves they were going to make just so that you know where the picture is. Like a lot of it's the uncertainty. And they probably don't make this move this late in the process if they didn't feel fairly confident about the other moves they have coming. But, man, I hope they don't walk into the draft needing two nose tackles. That's just not easy. Yeah, and um,
1: I'm tr- I feel like there's been a year where they haven't had the obvious nose tackle. On the roster before heading into the draft, but generally speak, and I need to
0: kind of—that's probably now. what led to the Jaron Reed pick, even though he was a one technique nose, not a zero technique nose at the time. Mm. It was because I think it that was, was 2015. Yeah. Me being that was Bane's last year, and they didn't have There you one. go. There you go. So they go and spend a second round pick on a two down run tack uh, run defender.
1: Mm. But generally speaking, as we as we, you know. Generally speaking, as we speak about, as we've mentioned, you know, and as we'll we'll keep talking about, we're given the draft. Like John Schneider doesn't like to enter drafts with an obvious hole on the, on the roster, and nose tackle is a gaping hole. And you worry if it's lower, you know, just the worries that creep in. If it's lower down on the their list of priorities, are they planning on running more two, four, five again? Are they because? That seems to be... And now that doesn't match what Pete Carroll's comments have been regarding the changes that need to happen in the scheme and the approach to the defense. But there is, you know, some room for concern. And, yeah, looking at the the available names now, Michael Brockers, he was kind of done in Detroit. He's done. Uh, Limval Joseph, he's 34 like
0: he's a solid player but the question is why would we have any expectation that he would come in and improve the run defense yeah considering the eagles run defense overall was poor last year how what why are we supposed to make the assumption that he improves i mean he probably keeps bear equally good and then he probably keeps the two four five equally bad because there's not a whole lot he can do unless he's peak damon harrison there's and, there's nobody on the market that they can find to improve the scheme as they applied it last year. They don't exist.
1: And then the other the other guy is Akeem Hicks, who's not a nose tackle, but it's kind of an obvious uh link to draw in. And he could he's big to play nose, but he's turns 34 in November, but obviously. He's been in the, a fangio kind of system with, with yeah. Bears and is very long and very tall and very big. So maybe I mean, that happens. He, he, he,
0: he can give you, you know, 350 snaps, maybe a little more. And that, that I would that would kind of raise your floor here. Cause I think the principle is like good defensive lines need like every defensive line has a floor and a ceiling. And I think that we've it's I think we're underappreciating how high their floor has been because the ceiling has been so low. It hasn't like that's where I agree. This there are there isn't the blue chip player. There isn't the fringe pro bowler even on the defensive line. But what there is is their bottom rung players have all been a lot better than most teams bottom rung players. And that matters. And now in efforts to improve the ceiling, I'm afraid the floor is is gonna bottom out. Like Jaron Reed replacing Puna Ford's snaps, the run defense could plummet even further. Like even the, even the good run defense and Bear could plummet if they don't get another guy. Now Draymond Jones keeps it the same. Like as a run defender, he's equal to Shelby and Bear. As a pass rusher, he's much better. Obviously, that's what that's what makes him because he's a three down player who can rush the passer all three downs. And you know, like what makes Quentin Jefferson, even though he's not as good of a pass rusher as Draymond. What makes what makes him not as valuable as he could be is because you don't get his the benefits of Quentin Jefferson's pass rush on first and ten because you don't play him on first and ten because of the run defense. So that's that's the, um, the this is this is where they're they're struggling because they don't have the floor players. And again, they can sign a guy, maybe sign two guys. Hopefully, they can sign a, an external guy and then bring back one of the guys they they cut and then go hammer the draft, go draft your ceiling razors, which is what they need. Um, but, yeah, there's just two angles from this, and I think they're succeeding at one angle and then so far failing at the other.
1: And the other factor to this as well is this is a front seven. And, you know, Cody Barton, he obviously jumped at the chance to be an actual middle linebacker in a 4-3 system, have the green dot and go to Washington and play behind um, a a 4-3 over system and play behind a very talented defensive line that they have in Washington. So maybe Seattle and Schneider described how a lot of the linebackers signed early when they were given the, the, the kind of right number for them rather than trying to wait it out and get more money. And maybe Seattle was kind of surprised slightly by how Barton left for what was it 3.5 million but if you look at like devin bush but again suggesting that they're surprised by that and everything but devin bush's contract now he he's unlikely given his recent form and the fact that you know the the, the way that the there's some incentives and he has a 1.74 million dollar salary guaranteed but his cap number this year is is 3.5 million so devin bush Ironic. or cody barton it's not even a contest and again it's like it's almost uh uh i, I get maybe culturally something had to change and they they really wanted to uh, emphasize that you know it's not acceptable what happened we need to hold people accountable but it, honestly it feels more like change for change's sake like and i, I don't i don't really think They've got better. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. right right now they've definitely not got better. Now, it's, maybe they pull a rabbit out of a hat, but it's hard to see how, you know, John Schneider said last week on his radio show they were talking to a number of defensive linemen. Well, and the number of defensive linemen is less now. And yeah. <laughs> there ain't he,
0: a- he, he, he said that before Greg Gaines signed with Tampa Bay to, to replace to that, and Gaines is a nose tackle. So like they, there's one less nose tackle. So now so now Seattle might get the guy that the Bucks just replaced. And like that's what they're looking at. Again, not is solid, but like he's he was you know, the 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 Bucks prioritized another guy over him. Right? Thing so with now... Sanat as
1: well is like he he's a short armed guy, right? Underfledged two inch arms, which again, like he's played football in the NFL now and and was like mm. solid. But Seattle ideally, schematic schematically, but also prototype wise, they wouldn't like that. Gaines is another example of a short armed guy. So True. I don't know. Yeah, it would be very interesting. I, would,
0: yeah. I don't I don't and and Al Woods, I mean, he still wants to play. So it's just it's it, it's it's bizarre. It's not like he was mulling retirement at least based off of What he said to end the year and what um and like what how Quandre diggs responded like he tweeted immediately like a crazy business or something like that i mean it's as like the the mo is yeah get younger youth youth movement great but we're talking about a good player like you just you just let a good player walk out the door right now so like that in and of itself that's usually a rule of thumb is you don't let good players go that aren't straining your cap i don't care that they're 36 like, those, the 350 snaps he was going to play next year are important because you need two nose tackles to run the scheme. He, um, So, so. May,
1: and maybe we do look silly when our Woods resigns for less and it's like they've shaved off, you know, yeah, $2 million on their cap number. I mean, that, that could be what happens. But it, right now it feels slightly odd. Now... The other thing we mentioned, Brian Mona is dealing with an ACL injury, right? And as of almost three hundred fifty pound guy, although he's probably a bit lighter now, but that's going to be a heavy. Like P he Carroll said, how that will be a long process, but that is going to be a really long process. Like I'm not sure. I mean, hopefully he'll he'll you know make a full recovery and it, he proves people wrong. But like I, I don't know how much he's factoring into their plans this year. And maybe they explore the possibility of just releasing him for cap savings, but like that uh, down the line. But uh, that's a long road to recovery for him. And so you can't really expect much from him either. That that's sort of why we're saying Seattle needs the two nose tackles.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Monet is is in the picture at all for 2023. Just because he, like you said, he's a big man. Those recoveries are brutal. The bigger you are, and then on top of it he's that happened late in the season. So he's probably looking at a 12 month minimum timetable. So he probably, even if he got healthy, he wouldn't be able to go until late December, early January. So he's just not part of the picture. I don't think for next year, um, which is really unfortunate for him because, you know, this might derail his career. You never know how people come back from ACLs, even though technology is getting better and surgeries are getting better. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's, all, it's all odd. I think w- w- the, the ideal way forward out of this, I think, is can they manipulate the cap to bring forward back and have him be your nose tackle so that you can have one of the two nose tackle spots filled and just bring back a player that we know is good. You know, talk about the floor, right? So, he, he brings he elevates your floor right away. It takes pressure off Reed. Reed can just kind of be it, you know, you're just rooting for Reed to be average at that point. Let Reed fit around Puna and Draymond and the guys that you draft. Also like you want to go into the draft with having a nose tackle on the roster already that you like, just to give you options so that you're not forced to, you're not forced to focus nose tackle when there might be a better player at three technique. Right. Um, you know, it just depends. Like you, like, like you said, John Steiner doesn't like to have a bunch of holes going to the draft, at least have a roster mirror so that you have the flexibility. So this is just funneling them toward one, one, one way. And then also, even though you have Draymond, there is still room for another three technique. Again, there are three guys on the interior to really go crazy. And then you think about it when it is second and 12 or third and six, then you can have Draymond and that three technique together. That nose tackle isn't going to be on the field. So to, to to draft a no tackle high, just because you have to now would be if, if it comes at the at the potential expense of being able to focus your resources for three technique would be pretty disappointing, I think. So, but again, all this all this could sound really silly if in the next seventy two hours or even two weeks from now they go signing, I'm like, oh, okay, he's actually pretty good, and then they're fine, you know. Um, Absolutely. It just depends. Or they could trade for DeForest Buckner. And at that point, I don't care, draft five nose tackles and you're set at three technique. You know, I, I wouldn't be complaining.
1: And the thing, just wrapping up on Puna Ford, he could probably land in a what he perceives as a better opportunity for himself elsewhere. And he could also probably get more money elsewhere, even though he's waited it out a bit. So i yeah,
0: The, I'm not the, not the sure bills supposedly have him. interest in him. Sorry to cut you off the who sorry the bills supposedly have right. interest in him
1: and i the eagles rumored so you know and, and maybe he feels his time in actors over like they haven't exactly shown him much love uh in this stage of it as far as we we know so there you go right are we overreacting let us know in the comments now we did have a very kind donation when we were being late from Hooch sniper they ask. Is there any scenario where Tyree Wilson can fit the 3-4? This is Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson in the 2023 NFL Draft. We actually covered this in our podcast on the fifth overall pick and the kind of fits of Jalen Carter. That, with a big caveat of it was before a lot of the Carter stuff had come out, and then uh, Will Anderson and then Tyree Wilson. And we basically summarise yes and no. So there, there's definitely a scenario. Like Tyree Wilson's best lined up wide is a wide rusher. The thing is, he is awkward dropping back into coverage. Like he's a tall guy. His body composition is not that of a an outside linebacker who can drop into pass coverage. Even though there were reps of him doing it on tape, it looks awkward and he is a bit awkward doing it. And you wouldn't really want him doing it that often. So it's a bit like if you remember when Carlos Dunlap used to have to drop into coverage in 2021, where Seattle data wise that's performed quite well when that happened. But in terms of the awkwardness and the viability and the frequency that you want to do that, it's not
0: not the best. And so, oh, let me interject. And why was Carlos Dunlap dropping into coverage in 2021, Maddie?
1: Because Seattle was running a a 3 4.
0: Yeah. And then also, it's interesting that they actually ran more 3-4 in 2021 than in 2022, despite...
1: It's bloody fascinating. It really is. Anyway, so Tyree Wilson would basically be going a bit more back to 2021, where you lose versatility. Like The reason why Seattle went in 2022 to a 3-4 personnel, as well as running 3-4 concepts, is because then you have two outside linebacker types who can play left and right. So it's like having two £250 guys who can drop or rush than having one kind of £250 guy and then one £275 guy. So teams knew, and I've I've said this before, but teams knew what side was dropping, what side was rushing. For instance, 2020, Seattle had KJ Wright as one of the edge guys in the bear look. And then they had Carlos Dunlap. Well, we pretty—I managed to work out from the UK. Whenever Carlos Dunlap was to the field, it was cover three. Whenever Carlos Dunlap was to, to the boundary, it was cover two. So if I worked that out, any any NFL coach would understand that too. So it became a tell. So the whole point is versatility, uh, adaptability, uh, more options, and in, in your coverage stuff. So,
0: but, so oh, go ahead.
1: But finally, Wilson, you know, in the two four five, that would be good it, in a way. Like it, it feels better because, again, in the two four five nickel front, which Seattle ended up running a lot more than we anticipated last year, maybe they'll they'll do that more this this year too. But Wilson has length and he's used to playing wide still. And in the two four five, it's still two wide, nine guys, and so maybe he'd add a bit more run defense than that kind of two hundred fifty pound body type. Say like a you know, how Dowell Taylor struggled to set the edge. I think Wilson would be more, you know, he has more uh, tools to be able to do that, more traits to be able to accomplish that. Now, run defense, is a, a lot of that is also effort and, and technique, but his length and sure. size would give Seattle a slightly different, uh, different weapon out there to stop the run and, and be sound setting the edge against the run. So if, thank you for the donation, Hooch Sniper. You're muted. Griff.
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks, Hooch. And I think the the la- Oh. No, you're not. I'm muted? Can you hear me? No, it just lagged. Okay. My, my bad. Uh, all uh, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Shut up. Um,
0: I think the, the the final consideration to make with Tyree is for all the things that you said, like the the schematic accommodations you have to make to make him work, like becoming less flexible, is is he just simply a good enough pass rusher to merit doing all those things? And I don't know if he is. I think he could be but it really depends on how they feel about their eval of him. I don't think you take him under the idea of, well, he was the best available, so now we need to fix our scheme. You take him as like, we think this guy's going to be a freak, and, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tweak our scheme a little bit to make him fit in a 3-4. And then also, yeah, he could, uh, he could make the 2-4 a little more stout when it comes to that. But um, I think, yeah, that, that's the question mark, is essentially how good of a pass rusher is he really going to be. And then from there you make the decision if if he's a top 10 edge rusher like bonafide then okay do it but if he if he's more like a you know 6 to 8 sack guy with mildly above average pressure rates then is it really worth it to go through all that but then the other thing is there are other players similar to him not in style but in how you would use them that could be available in the second round where a second rounder you're not going to bend your scheme around but there might there may only, and because of that, there may only be 500 snaps available to them. But getting 500 snaps out of a second rounder is fine if that second rounder is really effective in those 500 snaps. So, um, you Bonafide know, it's, kind of, it's, a... it's all it's all opportunity cost, really.
1: Yeah, there you go. Bonafide is a great, great phrase, isn't it? Good old Latin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, when and talking of the draft on Friday, we're actually going to have our. Our outside linebacker preview, excluding Will Anderson, because we've already done him, but names like Will McDonald, the fourth, BJ Ogilari, Felix, uh, and you do Zoma. Other names, Miles Murphy,
0: Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith, Will Robert McDonald, Peel Jr., Robert Peel Jr is
1: it a good class is it a bad class, you'll have, a bad class. A bad class. <laughs> you'll
0: have to find out on friday it's a
1: very bad class you have to find out on friday uh <laughs> but anyway until that point thank you everyone for joining good audience please like the video subscribe to the channel comments share it with a, a family member or a friend or an enemy talk about it at the water cooler if that's a thing I've never worked in office before actually that's not true but anyway
0: you like water coolers they're not bad
1: yeah I, are you are you pro water cooler
0: yeah I mean most people bring their water bottles now but I feel like it's um it encourages you know some sort of camaraderie among um among a workforce mm. it's where it's Which where labor important. can organize
1: very important to have a togetherness anyway follow griffin at c mike Spin. maddie move you follow. were
0: you you definitely took the high road on that you could have you were interested in um in in um sewing um class consciousness there were you I said no you know you. i'm
1: just you know just, uh so we have an expression
0: you're trying yeah. to make sure you're trying to make sure we don't get demonetized, is what you're saying. No, so
1: in cricket, right? You're familiar with cricket. Uh huh. You can play a defensive shot, and you do that by playing a straight bat. So we have an expression: if you if you know, you can play things with a straight bat. Sure. Yeah.
0: You playing. play it with a sure. Interesting. Now, where do U-turns come in in cricket?
1: Well, the or bowler, where do they come into
0: this analogy? Because I feel like you've made a good U-turn here.
1: No, the the bowler sort of when they're, you know, when they're pacing out their their run up, they they kind of do a U-turn around the the top and then then come sure. back around.
0: Cricket's a great sport. I'm learning more about it.
1: Yeah, it's like baseball, but much better, and not like rounders
0: it it does seem like it's like what if you played it's like what if you played baseball um under the influence of many things and came up with you know a better idea really
1: yeah like what if you played a better sport The like there's a reason that no
0: i still love baseball just cuz i'm acculturated in it in mm-hmm. the grand scheme
1: yes Anyway, follow me at Matthew F Brown. Follow the podcast at Seattle Overload. Five star reviews. Download the show. Thank you, everyone. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. And remember, it's Griffin's birthday maybe tomorrow. So everyone just wish Griffin happy birthday that. every day.
0: I didn't say that.
1: Yeah. Goodbye. And uh, oh, and also, we are, it's a podcast. So search for us on your podcast app. Like, don't just download it off YouTube like a maniac. Like, five-star review on your podcast app. Thank you. Goodbye.